now listening to the Philosophical Cocktail Podcast. Hello and welcome to Philosophical Cocktail. I'm your host, Kayla Finn, and sitting across from me, as always, is my fantastic co-host, Joshua Finn. How are you doing today, Josh? Uh, Absolutely wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. I am living the dream. Living the dream? Okay. Did you have fun with this? I always have fun with our research, especially when we're learning about, you know, animals in space. Yeah, we have like a theme going here where it's just animals. Yeah, we really like animals, for anyone who didn't know. Animal cocktail. (laughs) Change our name. But yeah, we'll be talking about animals in space today. I'm super excited to talk about it. So... Thankfully, there isn't that much of a history with all of this. When was the first time we technically put animals in space? I'm so glad you asked that, Josh, because the first animals in space were fruit flies. They were aboard a US V-2 rocket, and they were sent up in February of 1947. Oh, interesting. So you're telling me there's a point in American history where the US government utilized stolen Nazi technology to shoot insects at the sky. That's exactly what I'm telling you. God bless this country. <laughs> yeah, well, they wanted to test the effects of radiation on DNA, and luckily the, the flies were recovered alive. I mean, you can never kill fruit flies. That's actually true. I don't, they don't die. They're, they're they so live small. like a day, but they're still immortal for some reason. They're so small. But since America experienced such success shooting insects at the sky, they said, hey, let's step our game up and shoot a monkey. I don't think that's how that works. That's a very big leap there. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how their thought process worked. (laughs) So on June 11th, 1948, Albert was possibly sent up in the sky. So he didn't make it to space, right? Mm -hmm. Like he only got 63 kilometers or something. And space starts at 100 kilometers at something called the Kármán line. Mm -hmm. So didn't make it to space even if he survived, but it is possible that he suffocated before the capsule left the ground. That's a very unfortunate story for Albert. Yeah, and NASA did a beautiful job eulogizing him. They said, Lack of fanfare and documentation made Albert an unsung hero of animal astronauts. Even though he wasn't an astronaut? Uh, In no way was he an astronaut, (laughs) and it's possible he never even left Earth. Yeah, it's a little sad. But since they experienced, um, you know, such a great time with Albert, they sent up another monkey. Guess what they named this one, though? Charles. No, they named him Albert II. That's a terrible coping mechanism. It really is. Someone needs to help (laughs) 1940s NASA. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Albert II actually did make it to space. He got up about uh, 134 kilometers, which is past the Kármán line. But he died on impact after a parachute failure. What an unfortunate way to go. I know. You know, you make it to space and then your parachute fails. I I certainly hope that's not something that's going to be repeated in the future. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, it's, you know, you learn from your mistakes. So you're like, oh, we the parachute failed once and then we're going to, next time it's not going to fail. Yeah. And NASA continuing on their journey sent up Albert III, which the rocket exploded, right? Yes, it did. Yeah. Unfortunate. And then Albert IV flew into space and came back down and was pink-misted upon impact with the Earth because of... Parachute failure? Yep. NASA's (laughs) quote with this one is even better than Albert I. 
So they say, it was a successful flight with no ill effects on the monkey until impact when it died. You know, you could say that about anything. The the fruit flies were perfectly fine until I killed them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was perfectly okay till a thermonuclear weapon detonated three feet from me. And then you died. (laughs) Or I became a superhero. I've yet to figure this out. I would, I would prefer to be a superhero. But I think the U.S. started to realize that they weren't having much success with these monkeys and they needed to dial it back a little by sending something maybe smaller. So they went with a mouse and they launched this mouse on August 31st, 1950. And the rocket disintegrated because of the parachute system. That's, I think that might be worse than the parachute failing. Mm-hmm. Not only the parachute didn't even deploy, it just blew up the rocket, which might yep. be a whole nother level. Yeah. Tragic. Well, the Soviet <laughs> Union wasn't one to be left out of all the fun. So on July 22nd, 1951, they decided to fly two dogs into space, Tsigan and Dezik, right? Yes. I'm terrible at pronunciation. It's, it's okay. So they went into space, but they did not go into orbit. That's something that would happen later. But these two dogs were the first living higher organisms to actually survive space flight. Yeah, no parachute failures. Yeah, and then tragically, in early September, just a month later, Desik was sent back into space with Lisa, and this one was unsuccessful. The dogs died. But the data was recovered. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's really what's important. Yeah, when you're spending millions of rubles. (laughs) Yeah, well... So after that, in November of 1957, the second ever orbiting spacecraft, but the first animal into orbit was sent up, and this was aboard Sputnik 2, and the dog's name was Laika. Oh, Laika. Mm-hmm. My personal hero. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she flew aboard Mutnik. Yeah, that's what it was nicknamed in the West. Ah, uh, the West. This in the Soviet Union since 1957. <laughs> Could have been earlier. Uh, Who knows? Undoubtedly. <laughs> I mean, Patton at the end of World War II was saying, we should ally with the Nazis and attack Russia. So I think it's been going on. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the story of Laika is actually a really tragic one because they sent her up with absolutely no plans of bringing her back. And what ended up happening is her spacecraft was pulled out of orbit back towards Earth and it basically started disintegrating because it was, you know, being coming, it was coming down. There were no plans of her coming back. So they didn't have a parachute system or anything like that. And she ended up overheating in the rocket and dying. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of fair when you're struggling this hard just to get animals into space. The first couple you're not going to bring back. Sure. I do. I do just think it's a really sad story that they didn't even plan on bringing her back at all. Well, at least she now is a statue in Moscow. That's true. And that's all anyone can really hope for in life, right? Um, sure. I'd prefer not to die a tragic death, but I mean, I'm down for a statue. Okay, one of my favorite stories. December 13th, 1958. A Jupiter rocket launched from Cape Canaveral, Florida, carrying a United States Navy-trained South American squirrel monkey named Gordo. So, how exactly did they train a squirrel monkey with Navy training? I have no idea, but I really hope push-ups were involved, because that sounds adorable. I, we should look up if they have footage of it. I'd love to see that monkey training. Unfortunately, it was all for nothing, because the nose cone parachute failed to operate. 
And Gorda was lost 1,300 miles off the coast of Cape Canaveral. And to this day, that has not been recovered. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but then after that, in May of 59, aboard another Jupiter rocket, there were the first monkeys to actually survive. These were Abel from Independence, Kansas, and a squirrel monkey from Peru named Baker. The crazy thing about these monkeys, they withstood 38 Gs, which is 38 times the force of gravity. So just to put that into perspective, a trained pilot can only withstand about 9 Gs before passing out. They also reach a top speed of 10,000 miles per hour. And I'm just upset that in 1959, two monkeys accomplished more than I ever would in my life. You know, maybe you can go 10,000 miles an hour. We'll just build a rock in our backyard. It'll be fine. And this is why we're on watch list. <laughs> but Abel died four days later due to a reaction with the anesthesia while he was undergoing surgery to remove one of the medical electrodes that had become infected. Yeah, that is really unfortunate. I, I mean, you make it all the way to space. You, you set all these records and, and then you just die. Thankfully, Baker, the cute little squirrel monkey, lived until November of 1984 at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville, Alabama. Man, if only I was born 10 years earlier. You still... <laughs> I still wouldn't have made it. No. <laughs> 15 years earlier. I wouldn't have remembered. It'd have to be 20 years earlier. You know, let's just go 30 for a safe bet. <laughs> How young is Kayla? I'll give you a hint. It wasn't after 2000. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyways... After that, in July of 1959, a Soviet rocket carried two more space dogs and Marfusa, the first rabbit to go into space. I like how these dogs go unnamed because they're no longer important. <laughs> because Marfusa is more important. It's the first rabbit. That is an achievement. There are more. I don't know why these dogs don't have names. The other dogs do. I'm also impressed the dogs did not eat said rabbit. Um, yeah, I'm pretty. Maybe they kept them separate. I'd imagine so. Yeah. I don't think I'd trust any dogs around a rabbit. Good dogs or not. That or they were pressed against the rocket with 38 Gs. That's fair. <laughs> Shockingly, dogs have not evolved the ability to withstand 38 Gs on the hunt. That's not something that happens on Earth. True, true. But America clapped back in September of 1959, launching two frogs and 12 mice. But the rocket was destroyed during launch. How unfortunate. Yes, what a tragedy. Yeah, well, after that, though, in November of 61, NASA launched a rocket with uh, the only chimpanzee and the third primate to orbit the Earth. Then, one of my favorite stories, in August of 1960, the Soviet Union launched Sputnik 5, which carried the dogs Bielka and Strielka, along with a rabbit, 40 mice, two rats, and 15 flasks of fruit flies. So... This was the first spacecraft to actually successfully put animals in orbit and bring them back. That's amazing. They sent so many animals. It's like a whole zoo up there. Yeah, it only took them like, what, 12 years to successfully bring animals back from orbit? True, true. And one of the best parts of this story is one of Strielka's pups, Pushinka, was born after her mission and was given as a present to Caroline Kennedy by Nikita Khrushchev in 1961. That's adorable. I want, a, I want a space puppy. Who said the Soviets were cold-hearted? But not to be outdone, in January of 1961, America went ham. <laughs> I see what you did there. Ham the Chimp was launched aboard a Mercury capsule. 
his mission was actually far more detailed than they had been in the past. He was trained to pull levers to receive rewards of uh, little banana pellets. That's genius. And he was also trying to avoid electric shocks. Oh, so like if he pushed the wrong thing, he probably got electrocuted? Yeah, I mean... It makes sense. It it was meant to figure out if you could perform, you know, detailed operations in space. Sure. I like it. And it was extremely important because a little over three months later, the United States sent a far bigger monkey named Alan Shepard (laughs) into space. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously that means that Ham's mission was a success because if they were able to send a human pretty soon after... So in March of 1961, the Soviet Union launched another dog, surprise, named Chernyushka. And there were some mice, frogs, and for the first time into space, an actual guinea pig. So they used a guinea pig as a space guinea pig? Exactly. They were all successfully recovered. So it was a pretty good test on the guinea pig. Yeah, it seems like they're getting better at this. They really are. Thankfully, I mean, they already sent a human. Yeah, true. And... France also wanted to get in on the action, which I was surprised that they were such a major player in space. Mm-hmm. That's not something I had known before. Yeah. But they flew a rat named Hector into space in February of 1961, and they flew two more in October of 1962. So they kind of had a theme of rats going. Sure. Until October of 1963, when they decided to launch a cat. I think they started to realize that they were sending too many rats up there. So they were like, we need to, we need to take care of the problem. Yeah, they got to clean it up. Yeah, and the cat's name was Felicite. Sorry, I don't speak French, but I, I just think, like saying it. I think it. you did that perfectly. Thank you. One more time. Felicite. <laughs> you want to talk about Blackie? Oh, sure. Then on February 22nd of 1966, the Soviets launched two more space dogs. And these were Veterok and Ugolyok. Veterok's name means Little Wind, and Ugolyok is Blackie. Now, they actually spent 22 days in orbit and still stands as the longest space flight by dogs. There you go. That's a challenge, Elon Musk. Send them up there. <laughs> we just got to go for 23 days. I believe. Yeah, and then uh, another one that really impressed me, even though, what is with smaller nations and rats? In April of 1967, Argentina launched... Belisario the rat, which was successfully recovered. Yeah, well, I think what it is is that they're just trying to kind of test it. I mean, I know that other countries are successful, but it's just, you know, one way to get get out there. Yeah, that's, something up there. that's fair. I mean, America started with fruit flies. True. Uh, and then September of 1968, the Soviet Union launched the first animals into deep space. They were the first animals to circle the moon. And also the first two tortoises in space. That's that's kind of unfair to send animals into space, which are pretty much physical helmets. Yeah, they were they're just designed to land no matter what happens. I mean, even if the parachute failed, I'm sure they would still be okay. Yeah. I mean unless the rocket like disintegrated completely. Even then. I don't know. I feel like that the heat would still affect them. Aren't they cold blooded? <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> Anyways, so the capsule overshot the landing site that it was supposed to get to, but it was successfully recovered at sea just a week later. Well, that's good. But the United States wanted to get back in the game, and in June of 1969, they launched a monkey named Bonnie, who was a macaque. 
on board a bio satellite, which it was meant to be a 30 day orbit around the earth. And the monkey was fed by food pellets from this little dispenser. They were trained to operate the same way ham was. That's awesome. But unfortunately, Bonnie's health deteriorated rapidly. Mm -hmm. And he was returned to earth just about a week later and then died the next day. Yeah, I think what the U.S. was trying to do was beat the space dog records of 22 days in orbit, and it just didn't work out for them. Yeah, it was only a little over a week. Yeah. And then in December 1969, Argentina wanted to get back in the game here, and they actually launched a monkey this time. His name was Juan, and he only reached about 82 kilometers and then was recovered successfully. So that's good. It doesn't count. Yeah, but yeah, but he was it was successful. Well, yeah, but it, I mean, I can throw a rock okay. in the air. It's not space flight. Okay, and then later on February of 1970, it was repeated, but they used a female monkey instead. She got a lot higher, but then was lost after the capsule's parachute failed. You know, after 20 years, you think they would have figured this out? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of unfair to put the pressure of that on Argentina. But... I fully blame Argentina. Okay. Do what Russia did and just steal the technology. (laughs) Then everything kind of cooled down for a little bit. Everything started to get more organized. You know, this was after the moon landing and they had already done most of the research they were attempting to do. Mm -hmm. And so from 1973 to 1996, Russia and, you know, its predecessor, the Soviet Union launched a lot of more scientific satellites called Mm -hmm. Bion. So they were partnered with almost every major country you can think of. Canada, China, East Germany at the time, France, Germany after the fall, (laughs) Hungary, Poland, and the United States. Mm -hmm. My favorite one was Bion 7, and this occurred in 1985, and they had 10 newts on board. Mm -hmm. And so why use newts? I'm sure you're asking yourself at home. Yeah, I'm very I'm very interested why there's newts. So they had their front limbs amputated. Why? Because newts regenerate. Mm-hmm. So essentially, if the newt can regenerate in space, if an astronaut gets a paper cut, they won't die. Okay. Um. So, I mean, I guess it's fair to use an animal that regenerates, but it's a little, uh, it's kind of gruesome it's to a, just chop little, off their arms. Yeah, it's a little macabre. Yeah. But thankfully, they did grow back, so oh, okay. we, we that's can good. regenerate in space. That, that's pretty good. It doesn't affect your body's ability to heal. Good to know for when I when I go to space in my rocket that I'm building in my backyard. <laughs> you know, the FBI is already listening. <laughs> yeah, and so China, who still hasn't gotten in on anything, decided to launch some guinea pigs in 1990 just to kind of get them out there um, and, and figure out if they could do it, I guess. Yeah, and during the entirety of the 1990s, you know, the U.S. carried a ton of different creatures into space. Mice, rats, frogs, rice fish, oyster toadfish, sea urchins. I, I don't know what they were attempting to do. I don't either. jellyfish, quail eggs, brine shrimp. Probably I just testing different animals in space. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't see why though. What the, what is the point? Are we gonna are we gonna have like a whole agricultural system in space? Well, yeah, it's vitally important when we colonize the moon to have quail eggs <laughs> and gypsy moth eggs. 
and fruit flies. Yeah. You have to bring fr- those awful. It's like bringing mosquitoes. Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? We could have had paradise. Uh, oh, and then there's a really great story. In September of 2007, um, there was a European Space Agency Photon M3 mission where they sent tardigrades, also known as the water bears. Everyone's favorite immortal. Yeah, so they... <laughs> Those of you who don't know what tardigrades are, which I didn't until we started researching this, fun fact, they pretty much survive anything. They're, yep, they're hard to kill. So they were able to survive 10 days of exposure to open space with only their natural protection. So what they did is they just tossed them out there and they survived for 10 days. They were fine. I'm curious though. These are incredibly small creatures. Mm -hmm. How do they just launch them into space and then just pull them back in? I don't know. That's a great question. Yeah, and on the same mission, unfortunately, the tardigrades have a habit of, you know, outshining everything. Mm-hmm. But some cockroaches were also carried inside a sealed container. No one remembers this because no one likes the poor cockroaches. <laughs> but one of the females actually conceived during the mission. So this was the first Earth organism that actually produced young that had been created in space. That's pretty cool. I want that story. I wish I was conceived in space. Well, if only you were born 30 years earlier and visited (laughs) Huntsville, Alabama. (laughs) And on February 3rd, 2013, America's best friend, uh, Iran, (laughs) on the 31st anniversary of its revolution, became the next country to launch animals into space. They just sent a mouse, two turtles, some worms. Turtles are also unfair because if they crash land in the ocean... That's like perfect. Mm-hmm. And they were all successfully returned. That's awesome. Well, in July of 2014, so we're getting into very recent times, Russia announced that they launched their um, Photon M4 satellite in low Earth orbit, and they put one male and four female geckos on there, and they wanted to study the effects of microgravity on reproductive habits of the reptiles. That's what science is all about. Yeah. But unfortunately, a few days after, it was announced that Russia had lost control of the satellite, leaving only two months to restore contact before the geckos actually, they would run out of food. They did restore control of the satellite four days after they lost control. And then Russia did confirm the death of all five geckos, stating that it seemed to indicate that they they were frozen to death. How tragic. A little bit. Then we get into the extremely recent event mm-hmm. of Elon Musk's SpaceX. So, rapid fire here, ready? Mm-hmm. September 2014, 20 mice delivered to the ISS. April 2015, 20 mice to the ISS. April 2016, 20 mice to the... ISS. Yep. June 2018, 20 mice... To the ISS. Shockingly. And that brings us pretty much to today. Mm-hmm. Is anyone else planning on sending rockets? I want to see someone send an elephant. That's a power move. Oh, true. I would love to see that. Imagine the size the rocket would need to be. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, nope. That's all I got today. Well, it seems we're all out of space. Uh-huh. I see what you did there. Thankfully, there is space in our inbox, though. So if you'd like to send us a message with questions, comments, podcast ideas, feel free to reach us at mail at philosophicalcocktail.com or on any social media. As always, stay legendary.
Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes like this one. You can visit us at philosophicalcocktail.com to read our blogs and see upcoming events and podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. If you would like to support us, click the Amazon Affiliates link on the bottom of our page or donate to us on Patreon. See you next week.